Sermon Bumper Series for our uh, next sermon series, uh, which is on relationships. Uh, you know, I was reading actually that this pandemic had a uh, just a, a large impact on relationships, whether uh, it's on marriages, friendships, uh, you know, somebody in the family. This pandemic has been uh, very tough on so many people. And so uh, we wanted to, um, you know, preach and teach on what scripture has to say and encourage our church and challenge our church as we kind of emerge out of this season. Uh, you know, today we have a guest preacher. His name's Jason Park. And uh, if you believe it, uh, he was our last preacher before the whole pandemic began and we closed down New Life Fellowship, our physical building. And, and so, you know, we, we invited him over a year later uh, just to kind of bring it back full circle. Uh, and just to give it a bit of an introduction, if you don't know who he is, if you haven't heard him preach because uh, it's been so long, uh, Jason ministers at a church in California, uh, Southern California called Foothills. Uh, him and Pastor Eric uh, go way back. They did ministry together. Uh, and so I asked Pastor Eric, hey, what are, what are some things, you know, that, that, you know, you want me to say? And so Pastor Eric just said, man, this guy is a man of wisdom. And he is an excellent preacher. I've learned so much from him over the years. He's almost like a mentor figure. Like those were his words that he used. And so uh, I'm so excited to hear him preach. He is going to say some challenging things uh, to our church. So be prepared. But it's good. And so let's just give him a round of applause as we invite him upstage. Thanks for having me up here again. Um, yeah, as, as Kenny mentioned, uh, last time I, I this is last time I went on a plane was to come here uh, in February of last year, and then I came back to LA. I got sick on the plane coming from Bothell to LA, and I was in bed for four days. And then I heard about some sort of virus that broke out in Bothell, Seattle, <laughs> and then it became really serious. Um, and, and then I, I asked Eric, I'm like, hey, is this serious? And then Eric's like, oh, we talked to our doctors. There's nothing you could do. You're fine, um, which ended up being right. And, and so here we are sort of by the bookend. The pandemic has ended. Um, but if there's a fourth wave after I'm done preaching today, let's call it quits. I'll stop coming up. You stop inviting me, and we'll just move on, okay? Um, this is um, a special celebration. One, I, I love New Life Fellowship. Um, the people here have been so warm. I've been able to speak at a marriage conference here and on a Sunday, and so I love this church, and it's great just, um, I have good memories here. Um, and also, just love Eric and Jess. Um, they're, they're people who have um, been so warm, and if you know Eric, he has like the biggest heart, um, and he's always been that way. Um, and he's been someone that calls me, and I call him, and it, it just fills me with so much joy just seeing here, and this is a special celebration for me, so thank you for letting me be part of it. Um, it's a little bit different, though. Today is not your typical sermon because what we're doing is we're going to go ahead and um, install Eric as a senior pastor here, which means that there are there's a call, or I guess you could say an exhortation or instructions for Eric. Then there are exhortations or instructions for the congregation at large, and then all of us together. Okay, and so we're going to go to the scriptures, but before that, let me pray for us, yeah? Um, Lord, you just come and pray that you would um, minister to us. We thank you that you, Jesus, um, are the builder of this church and that you knew exactly that this day was going to happen and that Eric would be here as a pastor. So we ask for your blessing and guidance. Fill our hearts with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first thing we're going to look at is instructions for Eric, but not only Eric. Um, I know that this service has a lot of people who served in the last service. And that's the reason why you're in the service. And I want to include these instructions for you two specifically. Uh, when, I, um, when I marry people 
And it, it, what happens in the crowd is that people who want to be married think about the words. People who are married already think about those words. And me as a preacher, I'm thinking about these words too. Right? It's very awkward when I get in a fight with my wife and she's at a wedding where I'm preaching. And she's just looking going, you better listen to that sermon. Right? And that's sort of happening right now as well. And so let me go ahead and um, the Apostle Paul gives these instructions to Timothy. First passage, 1 Timothy 4. Let me read this for us. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scriptures, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which you've been given by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in these, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Um, Paul is dealing with a very specific problem that Timothy is facing. It's the same problem that I face as a senior pastor. It's the same problem that Eric faces here today. And here it is. We're all young. Paul is uh, talking to Timothy. He's a young guy. Eric's a young guy, and contrary to him, keep calling me a mentor, which is borderline offensive. I'm a young guy, too. We're all young, okay? And, and um, I, I pastor a church in California in an area called San Gabriel Valley. If you're familiar with it, uh, there's a lot of Chinese-American and Taiwanese-American specifically that are there. And so the um, number one, I guess, demographic in my church is uh, Chinese-American. Number two would be Caucasian white. And last would be Korean-American. And I am Korean-American, contrary to how I look, right? And, and so it's really interesting, though. I'll get a questions from the Koreans that I get from no one else. But every single Korean-American asks me this question. They go to the church. They think it's great. And then eventually I meet them, talk to them. And at some point, every Korean-American would go, so how old are you? It's an interesting question. With Koreans and in a Korean-American ministry, there's an obsession with age. And there's this idea that if Eric is younger than you, that he doesn't have enough respect as if though he were older. That he may preach up here as a young guy in his 30s, but if he was in his 50s, you'd listen more. That's what Paul is talking about. That's the problem. <laughs> and notice what Paul doesn't tell Timothy to do. Paul doesn't tell Timothy, you know what you have to do? Show those old fools up. He doesn't preach awesome sermons so those old people are like, dang, he's young, but he could preach. Paul doesn't tell Timothy, you know what? You want, you want respect? Grow the church. Have the seats overflowing. He doesn't say that. Paul doesn't tell Timothy, you know what? Show them what young people could do. Get on social media. Do Instagram. Blow it up. He doesn't say that. What does Paul, Paul tell Timothy to do about this age issue? He says this. Instead, make yourself an example in your faith, in your conduct, in your love, in your purity, and in your speech. Paul is telling Timothy, I know you're young, and it's insecure, and it's hard, but you know what you should focus on? Not only your gifting, but the grace of God in you welling up that leads to faith, love, purity. Let me put another term, character. 
that's how you set yourself apart. That is so different, I think, often, because um, no, notice the first thing Paul talks about speech, right? Um, and and um, one, man, um, I remember the last time I came here in Seattle, and Eric introduced me. He said, this is the best living preacher ever. Welcome, Jason. Right? It's like the worst introduction, right? <laughs> worst introduction, right? Um, and, and here's the thing, though. As a young guy, I'm relatively young. I mean, I put a lot of energy into my sermons, and I'm trying to figure out phrases that work for you. And, and I'm trying to figure out how to make sure you're with me and you don't get lost. And Paul is saying to Timothy, this is so wise. Don't be only concerned about your sermon, how you speak behind the pulpit in public. Be concerned with your speech when you leave the pulpit and you're speaking one-on-one -on -one to someone and no one sees it. That's how you handle your youth, your speech. This is one of the dangers of ministry. And now let me go ahead and widen this up for all of those that serve, because I know that a lot of you serve. This is the dangers of service, that you could be more focused on your gifting than the grace of God, and taken to an extreme, it leads to horrible things. If you ever wonder, like, how is that pastor? He was such a good preacher, but it turns out his life was in shambles. This is what, how it happens. Gifts over grace. Let's take it to the extreme, and Jesus taught about this. Let's look at Matthew 7, okay? And this is a scary passage, but I think it makes sense in light of what we're talking about. Let me go ahead and look at um, Matthew 7, and notice what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare them to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Notice what's happening here. One, this is not a hypothetical. Jesus says, on that day, this will happen. This is a prophetic utterance that will happen. And what will happen on that day? People will go to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, which is a sign of respect. And he goes, did you do my will? And they go, absolutely, Jesus. Look at what I did. I went to seminary. I preached. I prophesied. I served. I did all of these things. And then how does Jesus respond to those servants? One problem, I never knew you. Not I knew you once, and now I don't. I never knew you. What sat on that day that occurs? People trick themselves to think they have a relationship with Jesus because they've dedicated their life to serving Jesus. And Jesus says, I don't even know who you are. You know what this is describing specifically, I believe? Some young guy who goes into seminary, who dedicates three years of his life and during preaching class, the professor says, you're a good preacher. <laughs> and he tells himself, well, I must be a preacher. So he goes and he just dedicates his life to preaching and prophesying. And he dedicates entire life to ministry. Only one problem, he never knew Jesus. That's how deceptive our hearts could be. Now, if that could happen there, let me just ask for those of us who are serving, myself included. Today, on this Sunday, are you more focused on how you served and your gifting versus coming to the presence of God this morning.
Are you more focused in the task that you have to do, even as I preach right now, you're doing task, or are you focused on your heart before God? Let me go ahead and now say this as, as someone who I love, and I'm, I'm included in this boat, and here is my exhortation to Eric, brother, let's make it our goal. Make it our goal as young guys. We're young. Stop calling me mentor. <laughs> not to blow up the church in a good way, not to be a great preacher, not to have a platform, not to do all of these things, and the pressure so great and the insecurity so deep. I know for me too. But let's make it our goal to just walk with Jesus daily. And let's make the foundation of all that we do. Let's make it our goal to pray in our rooms when no one could see us, where no one could say, wow, Pastor Jason prays a lot. It's just me and God. Let's make it our goal to not only prepare sermons, but to spend time in the word by ourselves and wrestle. And that's my exhortation. And as I'm saying that to you, I'm talking to myself as well. Secondly, we have an exhortation to the congregation, everyone here at large, okay? as Eric is coming here to be a pastor. And let me read from us in 1 Timothy 5, these words that are given. Now, I'm going to warn you, I'm going to be talking about some uncomfortable things. One of these things I'm going to be talking about is pastoral pay. And one of you are like, man, this is shady. Eric brought up his friend to talk about pastoral pay. One, Eric told me never to do it. <laughs> Two, why am I doing it? It's one of the few things in the entire letter that Paul addresses specifically to congregations. So if you don't like the topic of pastoral pay, blame Paul and God, not me, okay? Because I will show you I'm not making this up. So let's look over here, okay? 1 Timothy 5, 5, um, 5, 17 to 19. This is one of the few words. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. This is speaking about Eric. Labor in preaching and teaching, elder. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So first, it's clearly addressing pay. Says it three times for those of us who are thick-headed. Two, it speaks about maintaining the honor of the pastor. Why is this so important? Because pastoral ministry is brutally hard. I have been with people who are considered mentors who are no longer in the race, and some of them have burned out, and some of them have disqualified themselves. And it gets lonelier and lonelier as you do this call. It's sort of a sad thing. Let me read some statistics from um, Fuller Institute and George Barna about the pastoral call right? 1,500 clergy leave pastoral ministry every month in this country. Not leave churches. Across denomination, 1,500 leave ministry. I mean, considering it takes three to four years to even get a degree, that's shocking and not easily replaceable. Here's next. 83% of clergy spouses want their spouse to leave ministry. 83%. That's talking about my wife. That's being about Jess. 
that if they want Eric to stay and if my wife wants me to stay, they are a small minority in the call. Most of the spouses say, leave. Here's another one. 90% of pastors in all denominations will not stay in ministry to reach retirement age. Only one in 10 who start the call will reach retirement as pastors. Here's one that's shocking. I want you, uh, 90% of pastors report working between 55 and 75 hours a week. Don't you guys just work on Sundays? 80% of pastors believe ministry has hurt their family life. I want you to think about that for the career that you're in. Wouldn't it be shocking if in the career you're in, 80% of the people who are in that career believe their family's worse off for the career? So how do we then support? And so let me just go to the issue of pay. Now, especially in Korean American churches, pay is something that's sort of touchy. And, and for some reason, we think that um, pastors shouldn't be paid. Um, and let me make it very clear today. Eric and Jess are not taking a vow of poverty. According to the Bible, that's not what's happening. Uh, ben Shin, who's a professor in Asian American studies in Biola and Talbot in Southern California, looked at some of the things that Korean churches do. Like, for example, Korean churches believe that pastors should suffer, and it's good to suffer. And they also believe that pastors should always stay on the church property, which is weird, right? Like, you should always be at church. And all of these different things. And you know what he figured out a lot of these attributes came from? Not Korean even culture. He says a lot of these values can be traced straight from Buddhism. The central tenet of Buddhism is to suffer. And Buddhist monks are always expected to guard the temple, just like pastors in Korean churches have to guard the church. Rather, the biblical command for you as a congregation is to make sure he is being financially well-supported. That is your responsibility. Okay, now this is getting a little uncomfortable. Let me just speak about me. Okay, um, my church supports me quite well. In Los Angeles, um, my pay would be equivalent to the average pay of an attorney in LA. So if, yes, I'm making six figures, okay? Also, my, my, my church believes crazy things. They think I should get retirement, so they got me a retirement plan. Isn't that insane? And then they think, like, I should have medical insurance and my family should have medical insurance. And so they got us all medical insurance and all dental. Crazy. And they believe that they support me generously enough. They're going, you know what? If in my family we think that our kids should play piano and play sports and go on vacations, pastor, we think that you should be able to have your kids play piano, play sports, and go on vacations. I started a doctoral study this year. And so you know what my church did? They said, man. We appreciate Jason. Let's figure out what we could do. They just had a one-day offering and gave me 1800 bucks. Going, just spend it on whatever you need. And by the way, Jason, we're going to cover 30% of your tuition. Why are they doing that for me? Is that because I'm such a nice guy? I'm really not. They do that because they got this crazy idea from the Bible that if this congregation values the word of God, it needs to value its ministers. And they take pride as a congregation. They take pride in it. Going, our pastor 
has a lot of challenges, but one thing him and his wife don't have to worry about is finances. By the way, my wife also works full time. Okay, let me just leave that out there, okay? Um, and, and once again, I just want to emphasize, people like Eric Shady, he did not ask for this. Just came out of the text right here. It's one of the few things I offered. Here's another thing, though. Apart from that, how do you now support Eric and, um, and, and Jess and also all those who serve? Notice how it speaks about honoring their reputation. And, and I'm just going to get very specific here. One, one thing you could do that's very practical, encourage your pastor with your words. Okay? If you're blessed by a sermon, you know what you could do? This is crazy. Go up to him and go, thank you for that sermon. You don't know how seldomly that's done. You pour out your heart preaching the word, and no one says anything to you afterwards. Just say thank you. And you don't have to make it fake. Make it genuine, right? Um, there's, a, there's a pastor who pastored in a largely um, African-American church, but this pastor was Korean-American, and he tells this story that when he did a four-year internship in an African-American church, there's one day um, the offering time, and this girl who is seven years old um, offered to sing during the offering time in this African-American church. And when she sang, it was horrible, rough, every key missing, timing off, so much so that um, th this pastor started to feel uncomfortable. Like, should someone go up there and just end this, right? And what he was shocked was that afterwards, after the service, the little girl stood in the front and the entire congregation formed a line to hug and encourage that girl and to offer words of encouragement. And they weren't words of flattery. They were like, thank you. It is so hard and brave and I would never do what you did. One by one, they did this, okay? Every time. And other people were like, when you sing that one note, it was so beautiful and they did this. And, and what my friend says, though, is three years later, the girl sang again at the offering. It brought chills to everyone's skin. Phenomenal. Amazing. Why does he share this story? It's interesting. He says, that church, through genuine encouragement and support, built this girl up literally. And when we go to a Korean church, and little Samantha plays her violin during offering time, and she's playing a piece that only adults could play. It's phenomenal, and she makes one wrong note and mistake. What do all the parents talk about? Should have practiced more. Did you hear that? It's no wonder that so many grow up insecure, though they're gifted. I want to encourage you all not only for Eric, but for all those that serve, to have a culture of genuine encouragement so that people would be built up and you would see flourishing here. That even when a sermon may be off, and I preach a ton of off sermons, that you would just be able to go and go, this is uh, how I know I'm off. A member will go up to me, thank you for the word. <laughs> and even then, just doing that, and it helps. Okay? To encourage with your words, because you know what? As Asian Americans, we're so good at looking at the 1% when 90%, 99% was right. Are we not? Resist that in this church for anyone who serves. Resist that to the core. And finally, uh, what, what, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to, I said this too sharply in the earlier service. Um, 
And if you have a criticism for the ministry, it's probably valid. But one thing I don't want you to do is don't be a scoffer. You know what a scoffer is? A scoffer is someone that just criticizes and offers to do nothing. They go into their little tribe, into their group of people, and go, that sucks. Yeah, that sucks. And then they just walk away. Instead, offer, don't be a scoffer. Don't be a fool, as Proverbs would say. But rather, if you have a genuine concern for the ministry here, meaning there's something on your mind, go to the leadership and say, this is a concern that I have. I think it's hurting our church. How can I be part of the solution? How can I be involved to meet this need? I'm not coming here to drop my garbage off and walking away, okay? And finally this, what happens when Eric fails or there's some issue going on in Eric's life that's serious, what do you do as a member? Um, as Korean churches, we tend to, Korean American, Asian American, we tend to be super cynical people or we idolize our pastor. We're like, you cannot correct the pastor. No, there will be times that you do have to correct the pastor. There have been times where my elders and even members have corrected me. Um, one time after I was done preaching, a, girl, uh, a woman, I shouldn't say girl, she's older than me, um, a woman went up to me and, and she said, um, Jason, yes. Um, we don't call each other like Pastor Jason. They just call me Jason. They go, Jason, yes. I want to get lunch. And as a pastor, you know that tone. They want to get lunch. Not just hang out, but there's an issue. And so we get Thai barbecue, and she had a note card. And I remember she wrote down four different issues. Three of them were about the church. And one of them said, Jason's issue with his tongues and speech. And I, I was right there. And he goes, well, Jason, um, thanks for having lunch, but what would you like to talk about first? And I looked at the list, and I said, how about number four? <laughs> Jason's issue, that's me, right? And, and very gently, and I would say this person serves in the church. She's concerned about me. She's had my family over for dinner. I've had her family over for dinner. We're very close. And she goes, Jason, I just noticed that over the last few years, there have been specific instances where you have been speaking where it has not been as truthful as it should have been. That sometimes when you're speaking, Jason, I would say that it's smoothing out accounts to avoid controversy. You don't want to deal with a headache. Or you're smoothing out accounts to make yourself look better. That's what she said to me. And I said, can you give me specific examples? And she gave them. And I said, oh, okay, right? Those are, that's, and then after she gave those examples, you know what was, you know, I said, oh my goodness, I think you're right. I think that's right. And I thought about that, and I remember leaving Thai barbecue with two distinct feelings. One, man, that hurts. No one wants to see that, and no one, and I'm like, man, that's hurtful because it's true. <laughs> and secondly, though, I remember feeling, man, she cares for me and loves me enough to take time out of her work to get lunch with me and to bring this up to me directly. That's care. She's still at the church. We still serve together, right? And, and she's still integral. And, and that needs to happen for a pastor to grow. That needs to happen for me to grow. And the day that I stopped receiving feedback is a day that I've stopped growing. But there's a way to do it that can be encouraging and building up. I'm not saying now all of you send an email to Eric and he has like all this lunch appointment, okay? 
But I'm saying don't shy away from that when it's necessary. Finally, what do we say in exhortation for all of us today? Notice how he ends. He doesn't want the focus to be on Timothy, on the congregation, on Eric, on new life. Notice the final words. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. What a word for us here during this installation. There is good news for us today. Paul wants to say the focus of this Sunday is not Eric, is not even new life. The focus for us today is Jesus Christ. That's why today is special. And the good news is that this Christ, he is king of kings, lord of lords, that he's sovereign. And this Sunday, today, Christ is building his church by installing for you a new pastor. That's what Christ is doing. Eric, pastors, leaders, people who serve, I have great news for us today. This is not your church. This is the church of Christ. This church isn't in your hands. It's not in anyone's hands. It's in the hands of Christ Jesus. I have great news for you leaders. Eric's over here, and I just want to say, you know what's great? No one loves this community more than Jesus Christ. How do I know that? He died on the cross for this community. And so you could rest deeply knowing that Christ is always watching us, that he is reigning and ruling. I mentioned this to Eric. I've had a very stressful year, as many pastors have during the pandemic. How do you sleep at night? How do you not end up taking sleeping pills and drinking? And, and how do you get a good night's rest? You remember, as a minister, that though I sleep, Christ never sleeps. Though I sleep, Christ knows the very number of hairs in your head, knows in every detail of your life, and he loves you, and your life is working out exactly as he has planned. That's how you rest. I want to go ahead and uh, throw a few a curveball because Pastor Kwan isn't here. Uh, pastor Kwan came for the 10 o'clock service, the KM pastor. Is that his name? It's right, right? Okay. And, and so I want to um, end with the exhortation that Pastor Kwan gave. And, and say this, um, you know what's wonderful about the gospel that we're celebrating? It says that because Jesus died on the cross and took our sins, and because he lived the life we should have lived, two truths. There's nothing that will make God love you any less. Your sins have been forgiven once and for all on the cross. Second truth, there's nothing that will make you do that will make God love you any more. His perfectness has been transferred to you. And so, brother, I want to say this. Let the love and acceptance and pleasure of God fuel all that you do here. You are not loved anymore, whether this church grows or whether it has a platform or not. You are loved perfectly today. And so let the pleasure of God, let the joy of God, let the Father who watches over you and gushes like the most warm parent over a child, let that affection secure you and push you to do wonderful things and take big risks for his name. 
Well, let me go ahead and pray for us as we now move to the vows. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We come and pray that the gospel truths, that Christ is reigning, that you, we are loved because of what Christ has done, would be the foundation for this church. And so would you strengthen us? Would you strengthen especially Eric and Jess? And as we now hear these vows and go into a time of prayer, would you lift up our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to invite Eric to come up here to, get some, um, to take some vows. And afterwards, the congregation will take some vows as well. And so, Eric, are you now willing to take charge of this congregation as our pastor, agreeable to your declaration in accepting this call? I do. Do you conscientiously believe and declare, as far as you know your own heart, that in taking upon you this charge, you are influenced by a sincere desire to promote the glory of God and the good of the church? I do. Do you solemnly promise that by the assistance of the grace of God, you will endeavor faithfully to discharge all the duties of a pastor to this congregation and will be careful to maintain a deportment in all respects, becoming a minister of the gospel of Christ, agreeable to your ordination engagements? I do. Thank you, Eric. And now if you are a part of this congregation, would you rise up to now take uh, your vows? This is a commitment not only of Eric, but also you. And you're taking a vow before the Lord as well. Um, do you as a congregation, the people of this congregation, continue to profess your readiness to receive Eric No to be your pastor? Do you promise to receive the word of truth from his mouth with meekness and love and to submit to him in the due exercise of discipline? Do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist in his endeavors for your instruction and spiritual edification? And do you engage to continue to him, which he is your pastor, that competent worldly maintenance which you have promised, and to furnish him with whatever you may see needful for the honor of religion and for his comfort among you? I'm going to invite Eric and Jess now to come up here and invite any uh, staff members or any pastors or uh, leaders to come and pray for them during this time. And, um, and uh, we're going to come up here. And then afterwards, um, we're going to have a time of prayer as a congregation. And then Pastor Corey is going to go and close for us. Um, he's coming from the denomination, and he's come here to really serve us and you guys as well. But um, he's going to come and pray, and he'll give some more words. But let us, at this time, just pray for Eric and Jess. If you would pray um, for their um, call, if you would pray that they would be encouraged. We've just heard how hard it is. Would you pray for yourself that you would take your commitment seriously to them? Um, and so let us enter into a time of prayer, and then uh, Pastor Corey will close us. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, we come before you, we come before you humbly, and we, we bless you because you are our creator, and you have created Eric, and you have created Jessica, and you have brought them together, and you have equipped him to serve this congregation 
with your voice, your calling, and your edification and your building up. Oh God, we praise you for creating this man and this woman, and may their marriage be a font of blessing to all of those who are here and who serve with them. And may you continue to build him up in the qualities of heart and character and courage and faith and love and hope, oh God. And may by doing so, you build this community into a community of faith, hope, love, and courageousness. Gracious God, thank you for calling this, these people together. Thank you for your reliable mystery that somehow you know of this congregation and you know of this leader to come together to serve you and to build up your body together. Thank you, God, that in your way and in your mystery, you have made this moment come true. You have created this for your will, for your purpose, for the flourishing of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Justin, and I am the lead pastor at Bethel Grace Church in Irvine, California. Uh, I want to just take a moment to congratulate uh, you, Pastor Eric, in your installation as a new lead pastor at New Life Fellowship. I know you. I've known you for many years now, and I find you to be a man of great character, uh, someone that genuinely loves the Lord, and who's going to be even more of a, a, a greater pastor uh, meaning that I believe that, that your best days are ahead of you. In New Life Fellowship, I congratulate you through God's providence in appointing a good pastor. Uh, you're getting a good one. Pastor Eric is a great pastor. And New Life Fellowship, I want to also encourage you to pray and support your staff and especially your new lead pastor. I know that you've gone through a lot of things last several years it's been tough at times I, I would imagine but this is a new season and a new chapter and I'm excited for what God is going to do in and through New Life Fellowship I really believe that God's going to use you to be a powerful force of good and gospel in the Seattle area and I can't wait to see all that God's going to do uh, uh, through you in the years to come for you to continually grow to be a powerful church. I'm excited for you, New Life. I miss you, and I love you, and I look forward to the day that one day I can visit you and worship with you. Congratulations, New Life. God bless you. Hey, New Life. Uh, Jason here from Citizens Church in Los Angeles. Uh, I am so overjoyed to hear that you are officially installing my dear brother and friend, Eric Noe, as your lead pastor. Uh, I've kept in touch with him throughout this pandemic, and uh, I'm sure you know this already, uh, but I can tell you that you are bringing someone on that has such a deep love for your community, and I'm so excited to see what God does in and through his leadership at New Life. Uh, I had the privilege of serving alongside Eric for several years, uh, and I can tell you that you would be hard-pressed to find a pastor more generous, more humble, and more kind. Eric. Uh, I'm so proud of you, bro. Uh, I'm so proud to call you my friend, my brother, my partner in ministry. Uh, and I wish you the very best in this next season of your life. Uh, we're rooting for you out here in L.A. Please come visit us. Uh, and I truly believe God's going to do some incredible things through you at your church. 
Seattle New Life, congratulations! Pastor Eric, Jessica, congratulations. Hallelujah. And God, congratulations. You are assembling a great team here for your kingdom on earth. Hallelujah. So thanks be to God. Uh, my name's Corey. I serve you as the executive presbyter for the Presbytery of the Northwest Coast. And for about 20 years, I've been able to serve uh, hundreds of congregations. And I want to share with you a quality that I have observed in those congregations that flourish. And that quality is that between the pastoral leaders and the people of a church, there is a relationship dynamic that I can, I can only describe as spiritual alchemy. There's a kind of chemistry that happens between pastoral leaders and people that help a congregation flourish for the sake of the kingdom of God. And that spiritual alchemy is composed of trust and love and challenge. There is enough trust and love that's present between you as part of this congregation and the leaders of this congregation and your pastors that allow you the kind of capacity to challenge each other in faith, to challenge each other and provoke each other in good deeds, to provoke one another to grow in greater understanding of our Lord and how our Lord works in the world, and in deeper sense of understanding and commitment to the way God is calling you. Now, there are a couple of ways in which you can step out of that, that dynamic. On one side, you could have, there's so much friendliness and kumbaya good feeling that you are so comfortable with one another that you cannot receive the challenge to grow beyond yourself. You become insular. It's like a ship stuck in a harbor that is afraid to go out to sea because you're trying to make things so comfortable here. So on this side of enough trust and love is friendly without fruitfulness. And on this side of trust and love is there's so much disagreement or so much conflict and people have a sense of righteousness toward one another that they want to get, that pastor wants you to change or you need the pastor to change. And what happens is there grows a relationship of resistance to one another, which also results in stuckness, not going anywhere, and difficulty. In the middle of that is the kind of mutuality, equality between pastors and people, which is enough trust and love, not so much that it's kumbaya all the time. There's enough trust and love so that you can challenge each other to grow in faith, hope, and love. And there's not so much challenge that you cannot embrace and love one another into a new step in Christ. So may this grow among you. May the dynamic quality of spiritual alchemy continue to grow, and may God's Holy Spirit bless you as you seek to develop as a community in Christ for the sake of others, not just yourselves. And as I close today, I want to give great thanks to the search team in their wisdom for doing such good work in discerning 
and testing the spirits to sense that this is what God is creating together. I want to give great thanks to the leaders of New Life for shepherding this community through this time of transition. Thank you for helping to calm the anxieties and fears, and thank you for helping to build up the body in love. Hallelujah. Thank you, leaders. And congregation, I want to thank you for being people who lean in, love one another, and grow in the name of Jesus. Thanks be to God, Seattle New Life. And finally, Jason, thank you for the encouraging and challenging words of the day. Thank you for demonstrating enough trust and love in us to share that with us. Hallelujah. What a gift. So, Seattle New Life, congratulations, and may this relationship bear great fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen. Here we go. Amen, church. At this time, could we all rise as we respond?
I have the privilege of uh, giving the benediction as the uh, lead pastor installed now uh, of New Life Fellowship. And it's my privilege. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm filled with it, so much gratitude and gratefulness uh, for, for God, of course, for Jesus and uh, for Pastor Jason coming to speak, for Corey uh, coming and just supporting our church and being there for us uh, during hard times, during difficult times, but also in this uh, amazing season. So thank you so much for being here. Um, and yeah, church, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I want to leave you guys with this benediction, this good word today. Uh, because in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, whenever the people of God assemble together, uh, they would leave with a benediction, a good word. Uh, and for, for me today, really, it's what Pastor Jason talked about at the end there. Uh, he and I were able to hang out on Friday uh, and just talk and converse and chat. And he was just really challenging me to rest to find rest to not strive not to try to succeed or to do any of these things but simply to rest in him and that really comes at the acknowledgement that i'm not god i'm not king uh, i'm not the shepherd we only have one good shepherd and his name is jesus and when we begin to acknowledge that as a church as as myself as a pastor when i acknowledge that this church is run by jesus christ then i can sleep at night then i can rest then you and i can all rest together in him amen so hear now the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father Almighty, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen. 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 Uh, please be seated for some final announcements. Uh, we have two announcements.